Well, good evening. We're in the last message of the uh, Daniel series on Relentless. And we're in Daniel chapter 6, talking about integrity. You know, as we've gone through this series, we've talked about the character and the integrity of Daniel and the opposition and the opportunities that he had, uh, even as a teenager, to compromise his faith and to back away from his convictions. He's been taken into captivity into Babylon, but now we're, we're in the latter days of Daniel and, and of his life. And if you have the notes there in front of you that you can get on our website, uh, Daniel's been in a position of influence and power, and, and the kingdoms of that day are much like the kingdoms and nations of today. People use power to their own advantage. How many news stories have you heard in your lifetime, not just in election year, but in your lifetime where somebody used or abused their privileges or their power? Daniel is living in one of those times. He's, he's now really a senior adult, probably in his 70s or 80s. And it would be easy for him to just slow down and to coast and to take it easy. Sadly, very few people end well. Some people just take a detour at the last. And I remember someone said one time, uh, it's not how you start, it's how you finish. But I also remember someone saying that it is no matter how well you've run the race, if you stumble morally or ethically or in your integrity, at the end of the race, that's all that they will remember. So when we come to Daniel chapter 6, we've got a perfect opportunity for Daniel to say, look, at this point, I'm done. I'm through. It's one of the best known stories in all the Bible. And yet you can know the story and miss the point. Daniel has served multiple kings in Babylon, and now he's serving King Darius. He's probably, again, I said in his 80s. He's still in the battle. A couple of thoughts come to mind before we go through this lengthy chapter. It, it doesn't get easier as you get older. Some people think that temptation is only for the young, but it doesn't get easier as you get older. And, and the devil wages a war of attrition. The one thing I guess I could say the devil is patient at, he patiently waits for the right moment to cause the most damage. Failure in that final lap of life can do more damage than stumbling in the first lap. Daniel is faced with new challenges. The Medes and the Persians have overthrown Babylon and he stands the test. And so here we have the life of integrity, the life of integrity. Daniel chapter 6 and verse 1. It seemed good to Darius to appoint 120 satraps over the kingdom that they would be in charge of the whole kingdom and over them three commissioners of whom Daniel was one, that these satraps would be accountable to them and that the king might not suffer loss. In other words, this is just uh, a delegating of responsibility. So everything didn't just come 
straight up to the king. And Darius is beginning to reorganize the government. And suddenly, Daniel's gone through a change of power, a change of government. He's got a new boss. He's got new responsibilities. It's a new culture. And he didn't say, well, you know, now's the time for me to just quit. I'm too old to deal with change. This isn't fair. I like the old way of doing things, so I think I'll just quit. Verse 3, then this Daniel began distinguishing himself. That means to show oneself prominent. He excelled in all he did. He had a work ethic that is lacking in many people today and many younger generations today. In fact, you know, I, I have discovered in my life, in, when I was in my, my 50s and, and now in my 60s, that sometimes I'd be up earlier and work longer than people younger than me, and all you'd hear from them, I'm just, I'm just so tired. I'm just so tired. I, I, I mean, we have not raised a generation of people to have a good work ethic. Bottom line is, most people want to know how little they can do, not what they need to do. And so he, he has this work ethic among the commissioners and the satraps because he possessed an extraordinary spirit. What was that extraordinary spirit? His capacity to do the hard things. His capacity to make the right decision, even if it would cost him. That's his track record through his life. And the king planned to appoint him over the entire kingdom. So he's going to make Daniel like prime minister. I think it's crucial for those of us who are in the fourth quarter of life that we run the race and we finish the race with wisdom, with sharing our experiences, with how we've endured the crisis, that we relate that God gives us the capacity and the confidence to face any situation. You see, Daniel knew that God was faithful because God had been faithful to him. So for Daniel, his work was his ministry. His work was his ministry. It wasn't just, you know, well, I have a secular job. I, I don't have a ministry. His work was his ministry. His job in the government was his ministry, even though it wasn't a Christian government. Daniel's life was a witness for God in the marketplace. And so among secular leaders, Daniel stands out as a man who cannot be bought or sold. He, he is a witness in the marketplace. Verse 4, Then the commissioners and satraps began trying to find a ground of accusation against Daniel in regard to government affairs. But they could find no ground of accusation or evidence of corruption inasmuch as he was faithful and no negligence or corruption was to be found in him. So look at it. He, he, he's faithful. His motives are pure. There, there's no corruption. He's diligent. Uh, there's no negligent. He's a man of integrity, unlike the other men around him. I hear people say sometimes, I wish I just was able to work with more Christians. Daniel was a man of faith. He was a Jewish man of the Jewish faith. 
And none of these other people around him were believers in the one true God. But it did not change his direction or lower his integrity. You see, they thought as long as Daniel's been around, surely there are a few skeletons in his closet. But Daniel was the same man in private that he was in public. He was consistent. Micah 6, 8 says, He has shown you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. That would be a good verse for every person in public service. Here's a man who is on time. He worked hard. He paid attention to details. He didn't cut corners. He wasn't lazy, and he was honest. He had ethics, biblical ethics. Uh, I just went through some books in my library to give some books to Sherwood Christian Academy that, that deal with biblical ethics and, and why is it that we believe certain things about moral and ethical issues. It is important that we train the next generation so that when they're thrown into the culture, they know why we believe, they know what we believe, and they know that there's a bi biblical ethical system of thinking. So the second thing is, is the test of consistency. Verse 5. Then these men said, We will not find any ground of accusation against this Daniel unless we find it against him with regard to the law of his God. In other words, this guy say he believes in Jehovah, uh, but we can find that there are ways that he breaks the laws of Jehovah. So then these commissioners and satraps came by agreement to the king and spoke to him as follows. King Darius, live forever, buttering up the king. All, that's a lie. That first word in verse 7, all is a lie. They hadn't consulted Daniel. They came without Daniel to try to destroy Daniel. All the commissioners of the kingdom, the perfects, uh, prefects and the satraps and the high officials and the governors have consulted together that the king should establish a statue and enforce an injunction that anyone makes a petition to any god or man besides you, O king. Oh, flattery. Listen, flattery will get you everywhere with ego-driven people that for 30 days shall be cast into the lion's den. In other words, they, they've got to bow down before you because you're the great one, and if they cry to any other god or appeal to anybody other than you, then they're thrown into the lion's den. They're trying to set a trap. So watch this. They had watched Daniel long enough that they, were knew, they knew there were some things he was willing to die for. Now, it's hard in American Christianity to get American Christians to live for God, much less be willing to die for him. And yet every day in my social media feed, I see in Nigeria, in Uganda, in China, in other parts of the world, in, the South, in Southeast Asia, Christians who are dying, churches that are being destroyed because of one simple thing, they're Christians. This is an important fact. They knew that there were some things 
Daniel was willing to die for. What are you willing to die for? Daniel had an unwavering commitment to the laws of God, and he didn't hide it. This trap was set by appealing to the pride of King Darius. They were jealous. Darius was proud. They couldn't stand the fact that Daniel wasn't one of the guys, that he didn't go drink with them after work, that he didn't go carouse with them. He wasn't in the end group. He didn't fit in. Here's this Jewish guy that is so distinctively different that it drives them crazy. You know why? Because the purity of his life was a rejection of their impurity and their thinking. His integrity was a rejection of their lack of integrity. Layman Strauss says they were guilty of the twin sins of envy and jealousy. And they knew that Daniel wouldn't uh, obey this law that he answered to a higher authority. Now remember, the rule of the nation has changed. Under Babylon, the king is law, but under the Persians, the law is king. And so once Darius decrees this law, he is subject to it no matter what that means. Now, pause. He's going to put Daniel over the kingdom. He's going to make him prime minister, but he's just issued an edict and a law that will put Daniel in the lion's den. We need to be raising, and those of us who are older need to be maintaining integrity for this culture lacks it in every area of life. In banking, in business, in, in blue-collar jobs, in white-collar jobs, in education. Uh, I mean, people say whatever they want to say, do whatever they want to do. The, the winds of change cause people to change their positions. Yeah, I used to be for this, but now I'm not for this. I used to be against this, and, and now I'm a proponent of it. Uh, in the world where there are many roads and wide roads and no absolutes, we must be the generation of Daniels, young and old, because today it's about tolerance, not truth. Today, we're told to be open-minded. You shouldn't have any convictions. You see, an opinion is something that can be changed. A conviction is something you're willing to die for. You need to go with the flow and don't swim against the tide. Understand that obeying God, this world will say that you're arrogant and narrow-minded. Now, let me say that again. I think you know it, and somebody's nodding their head yes or saying amen. But understand, when you obey God and say, this is what I believe based on the Word of God, the lost world will look at you and say, you are an arrogant snob. You are self-righteous. Who do you think you are? Who died and made you king? Why? Because they're looking for people that will let them live like a dog. And so God calls Daniels out to be a voice in a time when convictions are needed. We are racing toward a time in America, I believe, when believers are going to face the consequences of standing up for biblical truth. In fact, I think we're already in it in some ways.
when we are in an age where churches can't assemble, but you can go to Walmart or Costco or the grocery store or anything else, you got to wonder what the agenda is behind the agenda. And, and we see these battles going on, and we see a lot of fear in churches about meeting together, even when they practice social distancing, as we are doing. And even when we are providing every possible health measure, as we are doing, they're going to come after us. Why? Because the gospel and Christ and the word of God is an affront to this culture. So why is prayer the area that they attack? They're looking for something between him and his God. Why is prayer the area they attack? Because they knew Daniel was a man of prayer because they knew he was consistent in prayer. I wonder if the lost people that we are around know that we are people of prayer. Now, personally, it bothers me when I hear evangelicals in America today that get all frothed up and worked up and nostrils flaring, you know, we need to get the Bible back in school. We need to get the Bible back in school. We need a Bible in school. And I mean, they'll post about it. They'll put a t-shirt on and they come to church and scroll Facebook while the Bible's being preached. That's called hypocrisy. Oh, we need prayer back in school. I tell you, you look at the statistics. The, the government has gotten involved in the schools, and there's no prayer in school now. And look at what's happened in our country. Look at what's happened morally. And you call a prayer meeting, and that same person is nowhere to be found. That's called hypocrisy. Don't thump your chest and wear your T-shirt and put your bumper sticker on your car if you will not do in the presence of God's people in church and in a prayer meeting. If you won't do it at church, don't blame the world for not doing it. You want to get the smallest crowd in a church? Call a prayer meeting. You want to get the biggest crowd in a church? Call something that's free entertainment. So now we get to the discipline of prayer. This is Daniel's life message. Verse 10. Now when Daniel knew that the document was signed, he entered his house. Now in his roof chamber, he had windows open toward Jerusalem. And he continued kneeling on his knees three times a day, praying and giving thanks before his God as he had been doing previously. So nothing changed. <laughs> I mean, here's an old man who says, I, I'm, I'm just, I'm just going to board up my windows, and I'm just going to lock the door, and I'm just going to forget about it and pray for Jesus to come back. No, he went on doing what he had been doing. Look, look at the character that he has. He was devoted. He had his windows open toward Jerusalem. He was disciplined three times a day. He was dependent on God, praying and giving thanks. And he was decisive, as he had been doing previously. The one thing his enemies knew about Daniel was that he was consistent. 
verse 11. Then these men came by agreement and found Daniel making petition and supplications before God. Ah, ah, we knew, ah, we knew it, we knew it. We knew that he wouldn't break the laws of his God. We knew that we would catch him praying. Praise God that Daniel was a man that you could count on. You, you know, I mean, Jesus had 12 disciples that he poured his life into, one betrayed him, and most of them ran for the tall grass when his accusers came. And he was basically alone at the cross. And can I tell you something? If persecution comes to America, we are going to find out what the real church is. And we're going to find that the carnal and the marginal and the convenient will be gone because they don't want what God has required of us. So they catch him, and they've got this idea. The sooner we get this Jewish believer out of our way, the sooner we can run the country and influence the king. So like the plot to destroy the Jewish people in the book of Esther, here's another plot to get rid of Daniel's influence. They want to stop the Jewish influence. Is that not the story of history? Since the beginning is to destroy the influence of the Jewish people that God had made a covenant with. Three times in this book, we find Daniel praying, chapter 2, chapter 6, and chapter 9. It was on the basis of the law of his God, verse 5, that they went after him. P.T. Forsyth says it this way about Daniel. You pray as you face towards Jerusalem or Babylon. You see, when we pray, we're either facing toward Jerusalem, God is our help, or toward Babylon. Lord, I, I don't think you can help me. I wonder what the government can do for me. Wonder, what the, wonder whose back I can scratch. Wonder where I can compromise to get up in the corporation, to get up in the business, to, to get my kid in this college. One, one, you know, downplay your faith, son. You might not get in a fraternity. Downplay your faith, sweetheart. You might not get in a sorority. I wonder where are the people that are content to not get in. Daniel got into the highest positions of leadership, not because he kissed up to people, but because he bowed down to God. So, we're either looking for answers and help in this world, or we're looking for them to the Lord. You see, our outlook determines our outcome. If you ask God to give you a faith that doesn't quit when the pressure comes. Now here's the point about prayer here. The crisis didn't create a prayer life. The crisis revealed a prayer life. It didn't create a prayer life. A lot of people pray in a time of crisis, that, but they don't pray any other time. I, I mean, I've been guilty of that. You've, all of us have been guilty of that. It's like Luke chapter 4 and verse 16. Jesus went up to pray, the Bible says, as was his custom. You see, we, we have a bad habit of being highly ineffective believers because we have a bad habit of ignoring the good disciplines of life. We're not talking here about legalism. We're talking about being faithful in your walk with God. Look at Second uh, Chronicles chapter 6 and verse 38. If you can't look at it, just listen. Because this is why Daniel prayed the way he prayed. 
If they return to you with all their heart and with all their soul in the land of their captivity, this is the prayer at the dedication of Solomon's temple, where they have been taken captive and pray toward their land, which you have given to their fathers and the city which you have chosen and toward the house which I have built for your name, talking about the temple, then... 2 Chronicles 6.39, Then hear from heaven from your dwelling place their prayers and supplications and maintain their cause and forgive your people who have sinned against you. <laughs> Since his captivity as a teenager, Daniel has been praying facing Jerusalem. Why? Because he knew his Bible. And knowing his Bible meant he was a man of integrity. You see, when you can't pray, you better learn to pray. He was taken in captivity. They tried to brainwash him. They tried to make him forget his God. And all Daniel did was multiple times every day, he turned toward Jerusalem, toward the city, toward the house that had been built, the temple. And he prayed. Now look at the deliverance of Daniel. We all know this part. Most of us don't connect the dots that the first three points of this message are the reason that the fourth point is in the Bible. The words rescue or deliver are used seven times in this chapter. You see, you'll never discover God's intervention or deliverance if your worldview is what's in it for me and how can I get out of this bind. If immediate gratification is our goal, then we'll never see God in our moment of need. So uh, they wish to tell the king and, and hold him to his decree. Verse 14, the king is deeply distressed. There's no escape clause. So verse 16, then the king gave orders and Daniel was brought in and cast into the lion's den. And the king spoke and said to Daniel, notice what he said, your God, Jehovah, your God, whom you constantly serve, will himself deliver you. The king had made a decree, but even Darius in this statement says, I know your God is greater than what I've said. He's distressed. Daniel has been a valuable aid in his haste and in his pride. He has made an unwise decision. Now he has to follow through on it. Daniel's thrown into the Lion's Den based on an unfair accusation and an unjust edict. But while he's there, two things, two miracles happen. One is the king couldn't eat. The Bible says he didn't have an appetite. He, the king couldn't eat. He was so distressed about Daniel being in the lion's den that he couldn't eat. The second miracle was that the lions couldn't eat. I mean, one guy, they should have torn his flesh apart in a matter of minutes and killed him. And Daniel had been his choice, as I said, for prime minister. And so the first thing the next morning, the king goes to the lion's den and finds Daniel alive and well. Now listen carefully. Sometimes, sometimes we think the devil and the ungodly are getting away with their actions. But nobody is getting away with anything. Oh, they got off on a technicality. 
there's a law of sowing and reaping. Well, they, they got away. Well, they didn't have to. Well, yeah, but, well, but what about this? You see, sometimes we think the devil and the ungodly are getting away with things, but God is the one that writes the last chapter. God is the one that writes the book. God is the one that rules and reigns. So look at chapter 6 and verse 20. When he had come near the den to Daniel, he cried out with a troubled voice. And the king spoke and said to Daniel, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you constantly serve, there's his integrity, been able to deliver you from the lions? And then Daniel spoke to the king, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouth, and they have not harmed me inasmuch as I was found innocent before him, and also toward you, O king, I have committed no crimes. Then the king was very pleased and gave orders for Daniel to be taken up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den, and no injury whatever was found on him, because he had trusted in his God. The king then gave orders, and they brought those men who had maliciously accused Daniel, and they cast them, their children, and their wives. You want to talk about your sin affecting your family and generations to come? These accusers, remember Satan is the accuser of the brethren. <clears throat> These accusers of Daniel... They cast them, their wives, and their children into the lion's den, and they had not reached the bottom of the den before the lions overpowered them and crushed all their bones. The devil didn't win. The man of integrity won. Daniel was delivered because he had trusted in the Lord. Here's the truth that you need to cling to. God the Father... God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and the guardian angels never take a day off. They never take a day off. They're never caught by surprise. Psalm 34, 7, the angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and he delivers them. Psalm 91, 11, for he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. Darius destroys Daniel's enemy and declares Daniel's God is the living God. You see, one, one man, one man with integrity can change the course of a nation. We don't need to be the majority. God has always worked with the remnant. If you want revival, you, you don't need to depend on an election. You don't need to depend on, depend on a government. You don't need to depend on the person next to you. You want revival, just begin to ask God to revive your own heart and to give you integrity. So let's close with some principles that I think we need to remember. Number one, God honors integrity. God honors integrity. Number two, prayer must be a part of our DNA. Prayer must be a part of our DNA. If we, if we want to raise up a generation of Daniels, or if we want to be young adults, media adults, senior adults, uh, it, prayer needs to be a part of our DNA. Faithfulness brings opposition. 
You know, this idea that if you love God, no problem is going to come your way. There's, that's not on any page in the Bible. You read the Hall of Fame of Faith in Hebrews, and a lot of them went through difficult times. Some were delivered and some were not. Faithfulness brings opposition. Next one, put your life in God's hands. I don't know what lines then that you're about to walk into or you feel like you're in, but put your life in God's hands. God knows where you are. God knows what you're going through. God knows what's about to eat you up. And he can rule and overrule. Next, don't fight spiritual battles with fleshly weapons. Don't fight spiritual battles with fleshly weapons. Next, let others see Jesus in you. There goes a Jesus person. There goes a Jesus person. There goes a follower of Christ. There goes a follower of the way. There goes a Christian Christian. And when life's unfair, wait for God. He's sovereign. Daniel wasn't exempt from trouble. He wasn't immune from the ups and downs, but he stood tall. Now let me close with this statement. The person of God in the will of God is immortal until his work for God on earth is finished. God has a work for you to do. You need to be in his will and you need to be doing his work. And as long as you're in his will and doing his work, you're immortal until your work is finished. God has a beginning date for our lives and he has an ending date for our lives and he has a work for us to do in the process. Don't waste your days. Don't waste your sorrows. Don't waste your time. Don't waste your money. Don't waste your influence. Use it for him. Father, I pray for those that are my age, senior adults, and those that are younger, that are being raised up, that we would be like Daniel, men of integrity, women of integrity, that we would stand in this culture and in this toxic climate in which we live and declare your truth and not violate the laws and principles of the Word of God. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.